Hey, internet people. I am Renee, and this is Madness. Conversations during COVID lockdown. Our world has become a very different place. Some want things back the way they were. For others, it's time for big change. I invite people to tell me how they feel. Rants, solutions, advice, complaints. This is Madness. Hello, everybody out there in the internet. Um, this is Renee, and I'm here to have a conversation. Um, I'm today. I'm sticking to Jeff. Um, and hello. Um, hello, Jeff. Um, and Jeff is gonna tell you about himself, and then he's gonna tell you a little bit about what we're gonna talk about today. So, Jeff, take it away. Oh yeah. So uh, my name is Jeff Bella. Uh, I am born and raised in South Chicago. Um, not much to really tell. Currently, I'm I'm a pretty big geek. I, I'm a senior engineer at an airline company. Uh, I do a lot of um, a lot of coding projects, a lot of math projects, and um, I contribute to a couple of little open source source uh, projects. But um, yeah, I I uh, went to Washington High School school here on the south side. I uh, joined the military after high school and uh, joined the U.S. Coast Guard and served for four years. I got out of the Coast Guard and uh, the housing <laughs> bubble burst in 2008. So I was actually jobless and homeless for a little bit there. Um, and then I worked like a lot of in and you know like a lot of odd jobs. Like anything from uh, custodial work to um, warehouse management and just like completely random stuff for about, oh, I don't know, eight years-ish. Um, learning along the way, I used the public library pretty well, taught myself a lot of uh, complicated math stuff. I think I, think, uh, I, I learned pretty early on that uh, I had organizational problems, like I couldn't organize myself to be as productive as I could have been. Mm. Now I'm here. I was 2020 and the world is ending and COVID has taken <laughs> essentially uh, my take on it. Can we just, can I we just get rid of 2020? Can 2020 just be forgotten? Hey, I hear you. I have uh, one of my geek friends keeps insisting that um, this is going to be the zombie apocalypse and we all have corona already in us. Uh, so I'm sure everybody has their um, uh, apocalyptic theories right now, especially being stuck in a house for six months. I know I'm going a little nuts uh, looking at these same four walls. So um, um, I know that you um, are a family man. So, uh, I mean, for you, do you um, has that changed the family dynamic, being home with your family during this time? No, not really. I mean, I have um, I have a special demarcation zone in our apartment. I have an office space. Mm-hmm. That that office space is a demarcation zone, so the the children know that when when the doors close, like I'm working. Uh, but it, you know, I get to hang out with the kids more, which is um, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I definitely get to see a lot more of their personalities and how much more 
like me they are than <laughs> I thought they were, unfortunately. But I just how kids are. I think kids are just like universally out of their minds uh, for yeah. quite a while. Well, that's just them exploring the world and learning. Absolutely. That's the fun of being a kid. You can be absolutely out of your mind. And it's okay. I guess, yeah. (laughs) It's okay for for them. Not for everyone else around them. Well, yeah, especially in close quarters by all means. So, but um, as a rule, so they generally respected your office space. Oh yeah, they have to. They have to. Well, that's I mean, uh, it's just well, they don't I, have I, to. Like, well, know. I mean, the mo- their mom's really good at, uh, uh, you know, she understands that. Uh, you know, I left. I probably lost like almost a decade's worth of um, productivity. So in order to compensate for that, I have to be really focused when I can be um, to sort of keep building upon what I, you know, already have. So, okay. Time, um, time and effort. Do you, Do you mind if I uh, delve a little deeper in that? You left. You lost a decade's worth of productivity. Um. Um. Yeah. Can you yeah. expand on that? Yeah. So. Uh, so first, first off, the, the the I don't ever regret serving in the United States military, especially because when I was in high school, like nine eleven happened, and oh, okay. I think the moment nine eleven happened. Like probably the two weeks after, I like I knew I was going to go into the military. Um, okay. My family has a history of military service, and 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 sort of I really believe in us as a nation. So I was yeah. like, I, you know, it's something that I'm going to put my life on the line for and defend. And so I joined the military, and the military is a hard life. And uh, don't let anybody tell you it's easy. It's not. Uh, oh. Everybody who like everybody who like leaves boot camp in like two or three years like forgets about all the trauma in boot camp and it's like, oh boot camp was easy. But I'm gonna tell you right now, uh boot camp was one one of the most terrifying things like that I went through as a young man. And uh it is not meant for everybody. And and when I say like you, you don't have any rights as a uh human as a person, you yeah. don't you just don't. Like yeah. you you're waking up at four. Your entire day is dictated to you and you're in bed maybe by 10. And then if you have watched that night, so say, like, I had I had to stand duty, uh, I would stand duty from, like, 10 to midnight, and I would sleep from midnight to 4. Or I might have to stand a watch from 11 to uh, 1 yes. a.m., which means I'm sleeping from 10 to 11. I'm awake from 11 to 1, and then I'm back in bed, you know, from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m., right? Yeah. And that's yeah. every day. That's not like there's no you don't get Saturday and Sunday off. Right. It's every day. Um and that's just in boot camp. When you get out from boot camp into your, your actual unit, like you're sometimes you're standing twelve hour watch. I was officer of the day at my unit, which was a twenty four hour watch. Okay. So once a week I I was up for almost three days. Like I I would I would wake up at about four AM, I would go to the other officer of the day, and then he would hand over pretty much all of the, everything to me. So it's a hard life, um, you know. Not even you know discussing combat and necessarily deployments and stuff. It's right. it's a very difficult life. So being young, being you know 17, 18, getting out when I was 21, um, I was not prepared 
to acclimate back into the civilian world, right? I just spent four years of living essentially a very difficult life, very long working hours, almost no time off, personal time for myself. Um, I had huge responsibilities. I had budgets. I had equipment I was in charge of. I had people I was in charge of. And to take all that away from me when I left, um, I I did not acclimate. Nobody wanted to hire me. Like, I couldn't even get a job at Wendy's. Like, uh, it was very frustrating because the economy was so bad. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I literally lived off of my savings until 2010. And then Disney World were, was hiring veterans in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Because remember back then uh, that earthquake happened in Haiti. And right. they had a lot of ref- refugees. So Disney World was like, hey, we're going to hire, you know, we're going to hire a bunch of uh, you know, Haitian refugees and we're going to hire a bunch of veterans. And so I ended up moving down to Florida for about a year, uh, working at Disney World, doing various odd jobs, everything from um, uh, custodial work to uh, coordinator work, building schedules for people. And uh, I was a one-year contract. I did that. Uh, it was cool. I didn't really learn too much. I mean, there's really not much to learn. Uh, you know, there's not a lot to grow. Like those jobs don't really require a lot of thought. Right. I call it, I call it non-cognitive work. It was right. work where your, your brain doesn't have, isn't doing the majority of the heavy lifting. But so did, when I left. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just wondering if, um, if for you it was, um, the most magical place on earth. Um, in any way, was was any that a part of your year there? Was uh, yeah, absolutely. It really? was, I mean, I, it's, so I will, I will say I will say two two contrasting things. Okay. First, um, the work was long long and difficult. Um, I was you know because I was making minimum wage. I was making seven twenty five an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, they and I was a contractor. They could double me up. And even if I was making overtime, I was still making less money than their salaried worker custodian. Right. Um, they were making like 19 bucks an hour. And if I were, if you were to double up my, you know, overtime, I was, I was only like 15 bucks an hour, right? So, um, mm. I was working, like there were some crazy weeks where, where I was averaging like anywhere between 65 and 72 hours over like a month, like per week. Right. And, uh, I like, I would get off of work at like 11 o'clock and then I'd have to be back, you know, to work by 7 a.m. But it was like an, an hour bus ride each way. Okay. Um, so we used to have a saying for Magic Kingdom was called Tragic Kingdom because no one wanted to work there because yes. Magic King- Kingdom was the busiest place to work. Yeah. And uh, the work was relentless. It never stopped and you just saw like crazy stuff all day. But yeah. eventually I moved into Animal Kingdom which closes at like seven o'clock, nine o'clock where mm-hmm. magic kingdom would sometimes close at like 2 a.m. Uh, animal okay. kingdom was always closed at 9 a.m. or okay. 9 p.m. Right. So, uh, it was, it's definitely fun. It was definitely fun. Like it was definitely fun living on Disney campus. It was definitely fun meeting all the lifelong friends from around the world that I've made, um, while working there. Uh, it was, it was, again, it was hard work. It was right. hard work, but it was it was, and it was non-cognitive. You you weren't doing a lot of thinking, but it was it was definitely worth it. It was definitely a good experience. Like it taught me how to be friendlier as a person. Mm-hmm. When I got out of the mil- when I got out of the military, I I really had some anger problems 
but after after that i worked i worked at like a an auction house here in chicago uh Lindsay Hyman, i think it was the name of the auction house and I worked really hard there, and I did a lot of good work there, but I did, like, you know, maintenance and custodial work, and I was just bored out of my mind the whole time. Yeah. Um, and they, they weren't they didn't have competitive pay. It was, like, it was really low pay. I worked for Walmart and Walgreens uh, for a time. Uh, Walmart, I, I was just lifting boxes. It was the same thing, like, where on my lunch break, I was just – I would literally just read books that I got from the library on, like, calculus and algebra. Like, I was just trying to, like – I was like, man, I can't keep doing this. Like, I like, I know, like, I have critical thinking skills, and that eventually, you know, I, I'm going to use my brain to do work. Uh, right. but Walmart was Walmart was pretty rough, not gonna lie. Uh, and I think Wal- working for Walmart is rough, not because it's a little bit to do with the company. Like, obviously, there's there's huge anti-union, uh, right. but really, it's the other workers that are lazy that you have to make up for. So, you know, for me, again, I was in Indiana, I was making seven twenty-five an hour, and um, I was working, you know, two, three times harder than the person next to me, but I didn't pay the same. Right. Um, I was identifying several issues with how we're doing stuff, but it would fall on deaf ears. Because of course. Because the, the, the way that it works there is, you know, people are on the line, they're working, and then they get promoted to, like, assistant manager. And when they get promoted to assistant manager, they're not really leaders, right? They're just people right. – who have had authority, yeah. right? And so what happens is they they dismiss anything you have to say uh, simply because they're under the um, impression or perception that, um, well, because you're working where you're working and I'm in my position where I'm working, uh, there are very clear guidelines that you have to follow. There's no room for discussion. And that was a, that was a huge turnoff. I was like, nah, I was like, I was like, dude, we have so many HIPAA violations, not HIPAA, um, OSHA violations. OSHA, where, yeah. Yeah, OSHA's going to come in and tag us. And I literally went with, like, sticky notes. I was like, okay, I'm going to sticky note all the OSHA violations. I got in trouble for it. Like, right. the, the assistant manager went by and, like, scolded me and stuff. And she's like, it's not your job. I was like, it's all of our jobs. Like, uh, that's how I was when, you know, I was working minimum wage. Yeah. You need to have something. I had a family, right? I had a little girl, and my wife was pregnant at the time, so uh, she was still working, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know. I, I, I was against the wall for sure because even with me working and her working, it it wasn't enough to sustain us. We made just enough money to not be on food stamps right. when we were both working, and that's only because we were working overtime. It's because I was working two jobs, and she was working overtime. Like, if right. she didn't work overtime, I didn't work two jobs we would qualify for everything. Like I said, we we were literally like uh hardcore saving. Like we were buying potatoes, macaroni and cheese at the dollar store. Yeah. Uh, our like our grocery but like we were trying to live off of like twenty bucks a week. Um and I had a you know, I had a, a small little disabled child who's you know had all these special needs stuff mm-hmm. that we couldn't afford. And I was like, yeah. oh like you know, we we like she like her her formula because she needed a high caloric formula was seventeen dollars mm-hmm. seventeen dollars per can. Yeah, I, I almost all of all of my my paychecks went to just feed her. She started for me. It was my back was against the wall. This was it. It was all or nothing. Like I can't afford college. Oh. Uh, I couldn't even. I couldn't even like even with the GI bill. I couldn't afford to not work and to go to 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 a community college. 
Right. With a, with a family. You just, right. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough money. I was getting. Right. Which is really a shame because, I mean, I also, um, I'm a little older than you, but I, I, well, I might be a lot older than you, but I, um, I know when I got out of high school that there were several people who went into the service uh, for the GI Bill so that they could go to college. And then either uh, because of things that happened in the service um, or because of um, how they have the GI Bill structured, they did that. And then that their plans were kind of squelched because it didn't, it didn't work out the way they they were led to believe that it would have worked out when they when they enlisted, and there was no war at that time, either. So they just um, they had just enlisted. So I do understand that. And yeah, I will tell you, there's for at least for in, in my opinion, for a man, there's no greater motivator than having a small child, because uh, once I had, once he was born, I I like I I took it to the next level. I was like, all right, all of like, I gotta do something. I can't keep living the way that I've been living for the past uh, six years. Like I, like, I always thought I'd be, you know, like a scientist or something, like a chemist. I loved chemistry in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought, like, I'd go to the military, come out, go to school, get a degree, go work somewhere. Uh, that did not – not only did that not pan out, but I was, I was a broken human being. I was incapable of doing the things necessary in order to be successful or productive for our society because I, I, again, I didn't understand what was wrong with me and there's not a lot of people out there willing to help. Like there's a lot of veteran veteran support groups, but I don't know if you've ever been with a group of veterans. We're not, we're not the talkative type. Like we don't necessarily, unless you were like part of our unit, we don't really want to share with you too much stuff. Right. Just because it's, you know, it's one of those experiences where, like you realize like people have been going through these types of experiences for you know generations yeah and then there's a whole group of people who will never experience it yet those people somehow believe that things are dysfunctional and then you know the group of veterans are like hold on you think things are bad here (laughs) no you're all crazy we might be a little bit dysfunctional but our level of dysfunction is nowhere on the radar compared to some of these other societies and civilizations that are, you know, are part of the rest of the world. Like right. we live in this little bubble where it seems like our problems are the most important problems in the world. And in reality, like um, having things like running water and, you know, a, a corner store and you can, you know, safely walk outside on your porch. Like these things that you, you know, you sort of take for granted. Um, this isn't the norm in the rest of the world. There, no. I mean, it's not normal to be able to turn on your lights and your lights turn on and they don't, like there isn't like a, a ration time where it's, oh, it's 6 p.m., all the lights are off. Everybody light your torches. Like, right. like, like that's a normal thing in a lot of parts of the world. So uh, a lot of veterans, I think, are, are I want to say disenfranchised, but just kind of like we're this silent minority that are, are just like shaking our heads going, yeah, you keep complaining, and we'll do, we're going to put our heads down and work. And uh, But sometimes we come back broken, and it's hard. It's hard that they end up losing, you know, like me, like a decade or two decades before they get help yeah. and become productive again. So right. there's. 
there's sort of a, especially when it comes to veterans, there's a gap there. There's certainly a gap uh, between the civilian world and the military world where it's like you don't know how to get help. You don't know you need help. You think because you were tough as, you know, tough as nails that you're just going to keep going and eventually it's going to correct itself. Right. And you're just going to push through it. But that's not that's not true, especially in urban areas like Chicago. That's mm-hmm. not true at all. Right. Like in rural areas, you can get away with it because, you know, rent cheaper. Uh, you know, you can work on a farm. You can do a lot more labor-intensive stuff. When you're inside of a city, like, uh, the amount of the type of jobs that are available are different than they are out in, like, the country, right? So it's it's a different world, and, and it's, it's a very difficult world to come back to because you come from a very structured world into a very unstructured world, right. and nothing makes sense. Nope. I totally uh, I I completely hear you. I want to thank all of my internet friends for listening. Check back and find out who I'm talking to and what they have to say. This has been Madness. Conversations during COVID lockdown. Produced and hosted by Renee. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please check out our social media on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you'd like to reach out directly, please send an email to podcasting1968 at usa.com.